Kieran, I'd like to talk with you about something you're not very good at. Pray tell, what would that be, I'm wondering? (laughs) You're absolutely (laughs) terrible at chit-chat, small talk. (laughs) I hate (laughs) chit-chat. Well, we're going to talk about it and maybe partial remedy anyway. Sound okay? Give some suggestions, practical, to other people who hate (laughs) chit-chat. Okay. Welcome to the Before We Go podcast featuring Dr. David Maines and his wife, noted author, Karen Maines. Here's David and Karen Maines. Maybe I should define chit-chat. Mm-hmm. It's just talking kind of about nothing. Sort of surface chatters. Yeah, it's like, what's the weather like in your mind? Uh-huh. You know, that's the kind of thing. Or sometimes sports, just trying to figure out what to say. Or and, it's sort of an antiseptic form of gossip, you know, telling what other people are doing. And, you well, know. that's the whole celebrity. Yeah, that's the celebrity conversation. Mm-hmm. What about celebrities, things you've heard about them? You don't know them, but you've heard about them. You know, Even so. news can be that, mm-hmm. you know, it's just talking about what the news and you know it changes every day a lot of it it's significant a lot of it isn't mm-hmm. so it becomes just kind of what would you say it, it's a ritual that goes on but sort of fills the spaces yes words that sort of fill the spaces but don't have much meaning i find that i try to put some meaning into those i know some of them are coming i know that at the bank when i go in that they will say what was your weekend like <laughs> been trained all They've the tellers to, to that. be customer friendly so i'm ready when i i had an absolutely wonderful weekend would you like like to know why. <laughs> and the people in line are hey, they say, oh, no, brother. we got to talk right ahead of us. <laughs> the old guy. <laughs> this may sound strange. When we have a social activity, Karen, with friends, I think about it ahead of time and I say, what might I ask that I can learn from these people? Uh-huh. They're good friends uh-huh. and I don't want to... Oh, they to... can be new acquaintances too. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I want to make sure that I am using the time as wisely as I can. And so maybe what I'm doing is helpful to others uh-huh. as well. Uh-huh. For example, I think a simple question, say political discourse of the day is a, is a major thing that is going on with a lot of people. What station or what commentator, what news reporter do you like to watch and why? Who's informing you? Who do you go for your mm-hmm. news information? And that's really an interesting question for people to answer. And they usually, many of them just go to one resource. You don't ask that question to identify where they're coming from politically or where they lean to right or left. But it's something that helps you understand where their worldview is being formed. If someone asked me that question, I would say, you know, I really struggle with that. And I now pretty much go to David Muir at Mm -hmm. 530 because I find that he pretty much gives the news straightforward. He doesn't make comment about it. They're the headlines. It's mostly a headline Mm -hmm. sort of report with a little bit of story. Yeah, story at the end. He Uh he does a certain Americana. I like that. What's good about America? It's a lovely thing. Mm -hmm. And somebody says, well, I can't watch him because I watch Lester Holt. I say, you know, Lester Holt is very good. Well, Nora O'Donnell, I think all of those ABC, CBS, NBC commentators during that nighttime hour do a good job of presenting the news. What we need to understand is where other news outlets are coming from. Objective news. I mean, when we were growing up, journalism was known for not taking size. It was reportage. The journalists worked very, very hard of not turning it into opinion. They might give a commentary, but basically it was reporting the news the best they could as objectively as they mm-hmm. could. Now, that's changed because the outlets that host news shows often come from a particular kind of bias. So if we're going to be informed, we have to understand what the biases of each of those outlets are. But I like to find from friends to whom are you listening. Mm -hmm. I think that's very helpful. 
I would say the same thing is true in other areas besides news reporting. Mm-hmm. I would say, what magazines yeah, are you reading? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. What periodicals do you mm-hmm. subscribe to and which ones do you read? Yeah, so if somebody would ask you of that, you subscribe to a lot of well, magazines. Well, I do right now because I'm wanting to submit articles as a freelance writer to periodicals. And in order to do that, you have to understand what their editorial policy is. I mean, this is what you're trained as writers to do. For me, it's been a year of reading through various periodicals as they come monthly or weekly to our house and sort of assessing what kind of pieces are they publishing, what kind of writers' voices are they looking for. So I have some feeling of whether I want to try and submit to a certain magazine or if there's another one that's more suitable for my work. So yours is a little bit different a, where most people would be. If somebody say someone asks me, I'm not submitting articles to yeah. magazines, they say, what magazine do you like? Mm-hmm. If you say, I'm normally going to read this, mm-hmm. I would say The Monitor. Yeah, The Monitor. Yeah. And I only say The Monitor because if I say The Christian Science Monitor, <laughs> then I'm in trouble. Even The Christian Science mm-hmm. Monitor is dropping its moniker. <laughs> it refers to itself as The Monitor. I really like its reporting. Uh-huh. And I like the stories they pick. They mm-hmm. usually have a little paragraph. The reason we're covering this is. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very helpful to me. And they aren't always huge stories. Mm-hmm. I find myself often, Karen, with the monitor. It's, it's maybe, what do you think, 35, 40 pages? I don't know exactly. It's a magazine. Yeah. I read the entire magazine, uh-huh. which is amazing to uh-huh. me that I'm doing that. And some of them are not huge news stories. Uh-huh. Some are. Things you don't know about. I yeah. mean, things you're not even exposed to. I, the monitor is known for objective, well-written journalism, and it prides itself on that. And I think that we find ourselves exposed, as you said, to events that we didn't know were happening or problem spots in the world. It has a global viewpoint as well as a national one. They're talking about a new building project in a country in Asia mm-hmm. and saying this is going to disrupt the habitat of a certain baboon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is very interesting. Very interesting. I'm fascinated they do, they by do it. good work. <laughs> uh-huh. Another kind of question that I would ask someone if we have time to spend together over dinner or traveling somewhere is, What's a book, as you look back over the past year, that you have read that you found really impacted mm-hmm. your thought pattern and, and your life? You are named some favorite books that you've read over your lifetime. True. I'm now in the process of purging hundreds of books that I have collected over the years. I'm an avid reader and thinking, oh, dear, I love that book, but it has to go. So we're in the, the process of evaluating the things that they've read. So. One of the books through the years that I have loved is Robert Farrar Capon's book. He was an Anglican priest, The Supper of the Lamb. And it's just an extraordinary extended metaphor. He begins with a leg of lamb and recipes and shows that there are six meals he can get out of this leg of lamb. But he takes it then into this broader meaning of The Supper of the Lamb. That's the title of the book again? The title of the book is The Supper of the Lamb, the Eucharistic Supper, the communion we have with God. And then a look A deep look at the world that God has made and an appreciation of the beauty of it, starting with this original idea of cooking a leg of lamb and getting five or six meals out of it. It's a masterwork. It's just an absolute masterwork. One of the things I do when I read a book, good or bad, I read a lot, is I highlight, I'll underline or take Mm -hmm. a um, marker and highlight it in color and make little comments in the paragraph. And then sometimes I do a synthesis at the beginning of the really good books. So this book was read in January of 2001. That's probably the first time you read it, huh? (laughs) 
This is a mighty book with an original and daring metaphor. Capon is an incredible writer and has made the common holy and the holy common wondrous work. So I give a little summary myself. So when I go back to it, then I can remember what that book was about. And then I flip through the pages and read the underlines. And that gives me a really good idea of the writing. Now, I do that because I'm a writer as well, because mm-hmm. sometimes I want to quote from certain books and just going and finding those highlights makes it easier for me. You know, I have to read the whole book again. Are we chit-chatting now? No. We're not. We're talking more substance, yes. Yeah. And it's a matter of saying, this is what I want to be able to draw the conversation mm-hmm. toward. If you bring that up, people will ask further questions mm-hmm. regarding the book, and would you recommend I read it? You know, that yes. kind of the thing. Well, what we're saying is that you want to be prepped to asking good questions that will change chit-chat or superficial conversation into meaningful conversation. And the way to do that is through asking good questions. Sometimes we have to think about those questions ahead of time. In fact, when the kids were dating, our young people were dating, getting that age, we'd say, why don't you come up with three questions that you want to ask that person you're going on this date with and see if sometime during the evening you can ask that question where it goes. And they Mm -hmm. really did learn to ask good questions. We were also doing this at our dinner table when we had guests. If you can open people up through a leading question like Mm -hmm. that, so you're trying to get beyond the surface Mm -hmm. into more in-depth what people are feeling, that's very helpful. I would say that this last year, the book that I found most beneficial to me was the one by John Lewis. Mm John Lewis died just about a year ago now. He was an American congressman, very involved in the black movement. And the early civil rights Civil movement. rights. You think of him as being beaten after he walked across the... Uh, Almost British. beaten to within an inch of his life, yeah. they say. Well, he was, he was a very... Uh, he was an avowed Christian. Yes, no question. And a wonderful testimony. A wonderful testimony. And his faith informed his civil rights participation. Mm-hmm. He did it because it was the way he was doing God's work in the world. That book is one of the most moving books I've ever read. Uh, it's written by John Meacham, mm-hmm. who is a historian. professor, an Episcopalian, and a Christian, no question about that. I found it so moving to me that I said, do you go out, because you usually purchase the books. Mm-hmm. I said, get a dozen books. I want to send it with this letter to every one of the grandchildren and the other extended family members, because this is something that I would like to share. Mm-hmm. And it's not only sharing as far as what he wrote, but our experience as well, because it was not long after that Pettus Bridge, when they marched across it, that we moved into the city of Chicago and began right. 11 years of ministry. Well, we moved into the city of Chicago because of the civil rights movement. We wanted to be very very involved Mm -hmm. in that and in the city was where all that civil Mm -hmm. rights action was. So those were the early years and that did inform us, you know, that movement did inform us in many ways. I don't know if any of our kids read the book, but it wasn't my job to read it to them. (laughs) It was my conviction that I should send them a copy to make it easy for them (laughs) to read it. Maybe they did. I don't know. I I never heard anything. I'm going to simplify this more. Okay. We had a guest the other day, incredibly creative woman. It Uh just was a delightful experience to have her in the house and talk with her. She's an educator. And she said, let me show you something I put together. And I have in my hand a small pack. There are 10 cards, and they're held together by a little chain. And they're questions for grandparents or parents to ask grandchildren or children just when they're driving. You know, a lot of times you have one of the grandkids in the car and you joke and everything, but you never get to any substantive conversation. So she said, for example, you take this out and say, I'd like to ask you some questions. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you love to go? So this is one of the cards. That's one of the cards, yeah. yeah. And then the kids get to choose a question. What they ask. character from a book 
would you like to be for a day? I think that's a great question, isn't it? That's a wonderful question. Uh, here's one. What song always puts you in a good mood? Uh, yeah, that, now, even as I ask these questions, you're trying to think of answers yeah. probably. <laughs> what is one of the hardest things you have ever done? That's a great. Yeah. Aren't those great questions? Well, basically, it just it fits in the glove compartment. And then when you think the conversation is not as good as it could be and you want to get past what we call chit-chat. Then you get this little pack out and you ask the guy, that's fabulous. You know, that's like a great gift to <laughs> give to people. It'd be great to even put that on a family dinner table. Yes. And it shows you the kind of questions that can be asked that draws people out and gets you to a place where you know them just a little bit better. One of the good things, Karen, about asking questions like this is that usually the person, after they have responded, will ask you the same question back again. Well, well, how would, how you, would you answer your question? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I have thought about, like, that question, what book really touched you in this mm-hmm. last year? And a book that really got to me, it's fun to talk about books, was one called Sioux Center, Sudan, A Missionary Nurse's Journey. You know who Jeff Barker is. Yes. Jeff and Karen recently retired professors at Northwestern in Orange City, Iowa. Mm-hmm. The two of them have been the head of the drama department, and he has written plays about this given missionary from their home area. And the plays were big hits in terms of the college students, but he also then put into writing books. So I have read, Jeff, bless his heart, he sent copies to me, and I read the first two, and they were wonderful. And I thought, what am I going to get the third one? And it finally came, and that's what this Sioux Center is, Sioux Center, Iowa, and Sudan, and the years she spent there, and finally, because of the Muslims moving in, she was not able to stay there anymore. But it's a wonderful, wonderful look at a missionary nurse's life, and well-spent Unknown, mm-hmm. maybe unsung, but has had an extraordinary life, an extraordinary ministry. One of those common folk who I, he's lifted out of time and focused on. I don't think I ever appreciated missionaries more than when I finished this third, and I thought he's not going to be able to match the first two books because they were very, very oh, good. Wonderful. This was a great climax to the three of them, and yeah, it just is very fascinating, and it can be opened up through questioning as to what's going on. So what we're talking about is don't settle for chit-chat in your conversation with people. Our times together are so rare and so precious. Let's make them as meaningful as we can. And one of the ways to do that is through good questions. You are kind of extreme in that you kind of outlaw chit-chat altogether. You don't say. I'm not that bad, am I? You're pretty bad, and you'll leave and kind of water off on your own. Well, let me say this. I don't have a college degree. I mean, I met this charming young man. Talk more about him. <laughs> I think you're going to talk about me. When I was a charming senior, young man, a senior wow. in high school, and you swept me off my feet because you felt that God had a destiny for you. The other young men in our life were not at that point in their relationship <laughs> they were with too God. Young. They were too young, and so we started to date, and we were married, and I had a year of college after that, and we started to give my father well-loved grandchildren. But I've always had friends. A lot of them were PhDs, so I guess that's how I got my college education. And and I would shamelessly just say, tell me about your field. What things are you teaching your students? And if I wanted to learn more about the field that you're in, what sort of things would you recommend? So I got a very cheap college <laughs> education through the years from all my friends who were PhDs, many of them who were college professors. But that learning is available to all of us. Yes. That learning is available to all of us if we will learn to have substantive and meaningful conversations. And a lot of that is opened up just by asking simple questions. 
And the other thing, David, that we need to emphasize is that very often we don't have conversations about our faith journey. I love it that you often, in conversations with strangers on the airplanes or, you know, just meeting with people, they'll ask what you do. You'll ask what they do and they'll ask what you do and say, well, I'm a minister. And then you think, oh, they're going to choke up. And then you'll say, because I'm a minister, tell me about your faith journey. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. It's like they've been waiting for a long time for someone mm-hmm. to ask them whether they have faith or not or whether they've reacted to a toxic situation mm-hmm. in faith. I have never had anyone say, well, that's private. I don't want to talk about it. They're mm-hmm. open to it. Every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. So let's be aware that we can open up conversations of faith through very simple questions like, tell me about your faith journey. What kind of a faith system were you raised in as a child, if any? Mm-hmm. And where are you in that mm-hmm. process? As you've gotten older, have you thought of sometime maybe attending a church or whatever? Mm-hmm. Here's a verse from Colossians. This is chapter 4, verse 6. I think I'm pushing it a little. Mm-hmm. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Oh, read it again. That's lovely. You think it fits? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now I'm going to go back to that key sentence. Mm-hmm. I actually had a letter the other day. The lady said, I like your key sentence idea. <laughs> I do too. I think it's a wonderful <laughs> form of communication. Rather than allowing time with friends and associates to be swallowed up in small talk or chit-chat, Learn to ask questions that will help improve who you are as a child of God. Now, you need to ask me what I'm reading now. What are you reading now, Karen? <laughs> <laughs> I did that really well, you didn't did I? did really well. Well, I try and read books that have pertinent information about topics that are essential to where we are in our time. So the book I'm reading right now is The End of White Christian America. It's written by Robert P. Jones, and we are in the midst of an extraordinary demographic shift. We have multiculturalism, we have a globalization of the world, and this is making many people in our society extraordinarily uncomfortable. I'm not sure that they all can analyze it the way a sociologist would analyze it, but I recommend it for people who want to have a good understanding of what this shift is all about and how it's affecting us as Give a the nation. Title again. The End of White Christian America. It's written by Robert P. Jones. Now, is this a Christian book? Or no, I don't it? believe so. It's more of an academic book. He doesn't have a diatribe. It's more of a very clear, objective analysis of what's happening in the States right now. And it's extremely helpful in understanding why there is so much reaction and polarization going on. If you ask questions of other people and they never ask you a question, how do you solve that? Well, sometimes they say, well, let me tell you what I'm learning about that sure, area. That's easy. So that it becomes much more of a conversation. Mm-hmm. But I often am more concerned about getting those people to talk. People um, will not believe me, Karen. But when you are in a conversation with someone else, you many times will not talk as much as the other individual, mm-hmm. which is a great skill you have. Oh, me. So they won't, it, people won't believe you if you say that about me. <laughs> yeah, they won't believe yeah, that you I, didn't talk more than the other people. Yeah, but I'm not nearly as good at it in conversation as you are. you much better than I am. Because uh, I get caught up in the conversation and forget sometimes the interpersonal dynamic. But you're the expert on this, honey, in the family. Well, I'm just saying that you're coming along. Yeah, I'm coming along. You, I'm getting better. <laughs> you're doing better. And you're learning that as you ask questions, other people will talk and you draw them out. And other people are fascinating. Mm-hmm. They're you know, fascinating. They're, Absolutely. The most unsung person, if you ask the right question, is fascinating. I think the right question that I hear you asking a lot relates to who 
listen to you yeah. when you were younger. Can you explain that? Well, I've conducted these listening groups, which are three to four people who meet once a month or twice a month for seven months. And that's all we do. There's a formula for it. So they adhere to the listening group formula. But all of a sudden, I realized how powerful listening was. It had never hit me. And then we have a friend who's a neuroscientist who has explained to me what happens neurologically in the body. This is the way the body is made by our creator, God. And extraordinary things happen. Healing things happen when people feel listened to. So that's why I'm into that topic. So you tend to ask people in the different eras of your life, Mm-hmm. Tell me about somebody who truly listened yeah. to you. Did you have people who listen to you? And often they don't, except there'll be one teacher or one youth pastor or someone who's a, a neighbor, a neighbor, neighbor yeah. who steps in and becomes the listener in their life. And it is powerfully transforming for them. In fact, as they talk about this, yeah. it's like it brings back all those memories. Yeah. So this person listened to well, me. Well, it's not just the memories. They have the feelings, the physiological feelings. They experience them again when they even tell about that person. So I will say to them, don't tell me about the person. Tell me what you're feeling right now. So the body goes through this neurological happy dance. That's funny. And even the memory of being listened to, it's an extraordinary thing. Just extraordinary. Yeah, and it's the total opposite of chit-chat. A total opposite of evening, And when you're all done, you think, ah, what a waste. Yeah, yeah, what a waste. But we are the ones who can control what goes on. Mm -hmm. So if we're dissatisfied, or if we find ourselves going back to the same conversations over and over again, or if we're tired of talking about the weather... No. Or whatever topic it we're is. The ones, we're the <laughs> ones who can change it. And in changing it, we find ourselves growing right. in the Lord. Yeah, so exactly. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for talking with me again. Nice to talk with you always. Great to listen to you, too. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Before We Go podcast. And if you would like to write to us, please send us an email at the following address. Hosts at beforewego.show. That's all lowercase letters, hosts at beforewego.show. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and share on whatever platform you listen. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Mainstay Ministries, Post Office Box 30, Wheaton, Illinois, 60187.